Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF the Podcast. This is episode 168 called Samantha Bush Returns. Today's episode is sponsored by Prove, a women's health company dedicated to providing information and solutions on key fertility hormones so they can reach their goals faster. Prove founder Amy Beckley, PhD, invented the first and only FDA-cleared PDG test after her own battle with infertility. When she learned her seven miscarriages and two rounds of IVF could have been prevented by an inexpensive progesterone supplement, she set out to help other women better understand their ovulation quality from home. Prove's newest kit, Complete, allows women to measure all four key cycle hormones that impact conception from the comfort of home so they can get pregnant faster. With just one test kit, you can better understand ovarian reserve, identify up to six fertile days, pinpoint peak fertility, and confirm ovulation quality. And now the free Proof Inside app takes your hormone knowledge one step further by providing numeric hormone levels, info about what they mean, and personalized action plans to help you reach your fertility goals faster. Prove also offers an entire suite of at-home hormone tests and hormone-supporting products to empower you with the right information on your journey. You guys know that I love female-founded companies and products that can truly benefit those battling infertility, so check out Prove. The best part is that they're giving Infertile AF listeners a special discount code. So go to ProveTest, that's P-R-O-O-V-T-E-S-T dot com, enter the code Allie25, and you'll get 25% off your first Prove order of $25 or more. That's P-R-O-O-V-T-E-S-T dot com. Thanks, Prove. This episode is sponsored by Family Fertility. Growing up, no one teaches women about the one in eight statistic of infertility. So while we know all the ways how not to get pregnant, we're not prepared with what to do when we can't. At Family, they know that making the decision to start or grow your family is already a big deal. And being told IVF may be your only option doesn't make it any easier. Thankfully, with Family's affordable at-home labs, convenient telehealth visits, and RX delivery, Family is the number one choice for women looking for fertility support and real solutions without ever leaving their home for lonely waiting rooms or sterile doctor's offices. And with Family Fertility's free consult, you can make sure this is the next best step for you and your family at www.famlee.com. So if you've been diagnosed with unexplained infertility, PCOS, have recurrent miscarriages, or are considering IVF, or have had IVF without success, Family Fertility can help you identify and correct the leading hormonal imbalances standing in the way of getting pregnant. Make sure to schedule your free consult at family.com. That's F-A-M-L-E-E.com. Family, clinical fertility treatment at home. Thanks, family. Today's episode is brought to you by Conceivabilities. Conceivability Surrogacy and Egg Donation is proud to be celebrating 25 years of building families. As a leading full-service women-owned agency, their mission is to help everyone who dreams of a family do so. Learn more about why parents and surrogates alike choose Conceivabilities Surrogacy Agency as the best agency for them at conceivabilities.com. That's spelled C-O-N-C-E-I-V-E-A-B-I-L-I-T-I-E-S.com. Thanks, Conceivabilities. All right, guys, I am so thrilled to have my very dear friend, Samantha Bush, back on the show today. The last time we did a podcast episode was actually in March 2020, which is basically when the world shut down. So her episode came out over two years ago. And at the time, she'd filled us in on everything that had happened in her fertility journey 
including having their son Brexton through IVF and how infertility affected her marriage to NASCAR's superstar Kyle Busch. She talked about going through it in the public eye, her devastating at the time recent miscarriage, and kind of what they were doing next. They were considering using a surrogate. So that was over two years ago. So much has happened since then. If you follow Sam, which I'm sure you guys do on Instagram, she's been very vocal about her journey, but I wanted to do a catch up because any moment now, and it may have already happened in real life, her baby girl is going to be born via gestational carrier. So that's not a secret. It's not a spoiler alert. If you follow her, you know that that that's happening. And she's so excited to finally have her baby girl on her way. But we're going to fill you guys in from where we left off last. So she's going to kind of pick up where the last episode ended and tell us what has happened to her in the past two years. So it's a really great conversation. I always love talking to her. You guys probably also know that she and Kyle have a nonprofit called Bundle of Joy Fund, which awards grants to couples who are going through IVF. So definitely check them out at bundleofjoyfund.org and check her out on social media if you don't already. She also has a book called Fighting Infertility, which I mentioned in actually, which is pretty cool. We're going to talk about that a little bit too. So I love Samantha. She's such a huge voice in this community and she's such a cheerleader for other people who are going through this. So without further ado, this is Samantha's infertility story. So my friend, Samantha, I was just saying that it's been, I can't believe it's been over two years since we recorded our first podcast. And it was like right in the beginning of lockdown when the world shut down. So a lot has changed in two years. (laughs) Yes. A lot has changed and a lot has happened in two years. And I literally cannot believe it's been that long. I don't know if it's because we connect outside of the podcast, it doesn't feel that long. But I know. I mean, we, crazy. yeah, we have kind of talked consistently, you know, off offline and kept in touch, of course. So tell us where, what happened since you and I last talked, I know your book came out. There's so much stuff to say. Oh, yes. Okay. Let's see. So we made the decision to switch clinics, not because we felt like there was anything actually like wrong with our clinic here in Charlotte. Um, obviously they gave us our son. We have our bundle joy fund through them, but I just needed to kind of exhaust all options. So we went to CCRM in Colorado, you know, did all the workups and all the things. And they told us that they thought that at this point, maybe it was more embryo quality related versus me and my body related. Mm -hmm. So almost seven years after we went through egg retrieval the first time, we did again. Very pleased with their protocol, got a ton of eggs, had good success with embryos. So we were like, okay, we're going to start over. And that's what we did. We did a transfer. And I guess that's part one of where things got chaotic all over again. Yes, We did the transfer and of course, you know, had PTSD about taking the at-home test, but decided the night before going for the blood draw that I wanted to know. So did the test and it was positive, which we were just over the moon about completely just like, okay, we made the right decision and this was the right thing to do. I just remember that next morning, like waltzing into the clinic and I know that they know 
if you've tested at home before, because I like gave her my arm and I was like, I'm pregnant. Go ahead and like confirm it for me and all the things. <laughs> and, um, so they did and they, and they called that the next day or something that evening or the next day. And she was like, okay, well, you know, it is positive, but your numbers are low, but don't be concerned because as long as they double in 48 hours, we're fine. Mm-hmm. Go back 48 hours later. Of course, like that's not what you want to hear, right? No, getting that low beta. Um, Oof. Yeah, I think it was like a 48. And mm-hmm. I remember Brexton, it was like triple digits. Mm-hmm. So we go back and it barely jumps up. I think it jumped up like 10 or 15, nowhere near the double. So mm-hmm. they were like, okay, well, unfortunately, it did go up a little bit. So you have to test again. So we went and tested again. And this time it went up more, still not a double, but testing between two and three was higher than one and two. Right. They're like, okay, we think you're having probably like an atopic pregnancy. I was like, okay, all right, what's, you know, what do we do from here? Um, and they're like, we're going to have to keep testing. So we go back now the fourth time. And this time they were like, whoa, your number, your number's doubled. We're going to keep an eye on this. We still don't know what to tell you. So I go back the fifth time, 48 hours later. It's such a roller coaster. I remember yes. when you were going through this and it's just yes. torturous, right? Oh, awful. And so then it's like, Beyond doubled. I think it jumped up from, I mean, I can't remember exacts now, but like in the mid hundreds to like 600. So I was like, whoa, am I pregnant? And, you know, they're, they're like, well, so they said, well, we still can't really confirm it at this point. Now, we don't know if there was delayed implantation. We don't know if something's happening with the, you know, with the baby, we're going to have to wait for an ultrasound. Okay. So now we're in this like, waiting torturous game of like, are we pregnant or not? Mm-hmm. Go to the first ultrasound. They see a sack and they see a flutter. And they're like, well, that's a good sign. So we go back again. And I think it's something like 10 days. I can't remember. I mean, I cannot even tell you. I should have just like set up camp at the doctor's at this point. <laughs> right. I was there. We go back again and the embryo had split. And so it took Kyle and I a minute to process that. And I'm like, what, wait, excuse me. And they're like, well, you know, we see the flutter here. We would hope that the heartbeat gets stronger. It's still so early. And now we have a second sack that Mm -hmm. is being seen with, you know, it's, it's starting to take shape. So they're like, well, maybe all these weird numbers were due to the fact that, you know, there's like what a one or 2% chance that your embryo can split or something. Mm Mm-hmm. They're like, maybe that's what's happening. Okay. So I think it's another week or 10 days because they wanted to get to the point where they could actually see something on an ultrasound. Right. And they were right. like, at this point, I think it was going to be like they had wanted to see more out of the first sack. So they're like, we really need to see a heartbeat on this next one. I want to say we're like eight and a half, nine weeks, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. So we go back and during this, like I'm having all the pregnancy symptoms, like, you know, the nausea, the sore boobs all the things. So at this point, I'm feeling fairly confident, you know? Mm -hmm. So we go back and they do another ultrasound and they said, well, unfortunately, both sacks are now empty. I was like, wait, I'm sorry. Like, where did it, where where did they go? You know, Mm -hmm. like, I know we put an embryo in where, 
So they had, I had never even heard of this yet. It was, I had two blighted ovums, which Mm -hmm. for people listening, it's basically that your body is growing two empty or usually one, but in my case, two empty sacs. And so it thought it was pregnant, but there was no baby developing within the sacs. Yeah. So then at that point we had to go for one final ultrasound a week later, just to re-reconfirm. And my body was still growing these sacs. They were getting bigger. So they were like, I had already stopped my medicines and nothing was happening. So then I had to be given the choice of, did I, you know, first we're going to try to see if my body would naturally miscarry. But at this point it was pretty far along. So my body just assumed it was pregnant. And then we had to have ultimately a DNC. So it was, it was a, it was a mess. Um, oh my gosh. It's just, I mean, I remember that and it was like the waiting and the, you know, you were being very vocal about all of this on social media and I can't even imagine how, how tortured it actually was the stuff that you weren't sharing, you know, how were you and Kyle doing together? I know you guys are such a strong couple and you know, how was he feeling? So I think because we had gone through the miscarriage and had such a hard time after the first one in 2018 and had, you know, worked on ourselves and our marriage and worked with the therapist, we had better tools to kind of at least cope with it. But for me, after it had been at that point, it had been a miscarriage, a failed cycle, a failed surrogate cycle, another miscarriage. And I was like, okay, I'm like mentally, physically, I was like, I don't know how much more my body can take. I struggled a lot after the DNC with just all sorts of issues. And so met, went back to Colorado, talked with the doctor again. And he Mm -hmm. was like, I just, your, your body's not quite coming around. Like you have to wait a certain number of months afterwards anyways. Mm -hmm. And my body's just like, my periods weren't coming back or they were coming back all over the place. There was just a lot of hormonal issues. Um, I didn't really, I guess I understood like when people say DNC, they're like, Oh, it's quick. It's easy. But I don't feel like a lot of people talk about the after effects that might happen. So it, it was a, it was a big toll on my body. So the doctor was like, you know, just given all that, why don't we, you know, would your GC be willing to maybe try again? Because she had had that failed cycle before we made new embryos, which is why they wanted us to start over. Uh-huh. So that's the path we went down, and very excited to say that it worked. <laughs> finally, <laughs> finally worked. Oh my gosh! Um, and we are just days away and waiting on her arrival. Right. So, okay, let's backtrack a little bit. So, tell me about when you found out that your gestational carrier was pregnant and that it had worked again. Like, what was that feeling like? What was that phone call or what was that appointment or how did you find out? So I think people who struggled with infertility for long will understand this. Whereas other people, when I say it to them, they, they don't quite get me. It's not that I'm not excited. I'm Mm -hmm. excited, but Mm -hmm. I am so guarded. Yeah. And I have so many walls up at this point that I feel like it's not really going to hit me until we're at home by ourselves in the middle of the night. And I'm like, okay, she's really, really here. Right. You know, she's, she's ours. She's home. She's in my arms. I'm, I'm not relying on anybody else. I'm not waiting on anyone else. Like, you know, all the doctors, all the visits, all the scheduling, all the things like it's, that's when I think it's going to feel real, real. Yeah. I think that makes so much sense. That's so valid because, you know, as people who've suffered a lot of loss and a lot of trauma, like 
you have, and I have, and anybody listening to this probably has, you have to guard your heart and you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know, you're always on the wrong side of the statistics. So it makes sense that you feel that way. And I think that, you know, we try to talk more and more about the anxiety of pregnancy after infertility, but it's still not really talked about enough. So I think that it's great that you're saying that, that to validate anybody that might be feeling that way, you know, are you, have you been able to, I know you, you did the nursery, right? You've, you've kind of been able to do these like milestone things for this baby girl who's on her way any minute now. Has it felt good to do that stuff? Are you still kind of holding back a little bit? Truthfully, still holding back, to Mm -hmm. be honest. Um, Like we're really excited as a family. You know, we've done her nursery. We went to the store and got all the things again, like the passies and the bottles and all that. And, you know, especially for Brexton's sake, we've really tried, like we've read books where he like, recorded it. We've sent it to our carrier to play to her belly. So So like we've tried to do all the things that we can, especially for him to make it feel, I don't want to say real, but like that he's involved in the process, you know, because I get it. He's a little boy, you know, our carrier has been great. She's like, Oh, you even touched my belly. And he's like, no, (laughs) I I don't want to, you know, like, so in order to not have that separation for him, we've tried to really make it more about Brexton than anything else. So like we let him tell our family and we've let him, he actually like was a big part of picking out her middle name and we've let him, we kind of, you know, went to target and we're like, okay, get your baby sister something special from you. And so like he got her like this little outfit and and a book that he wanted to read to her. So like just trying, you know, I think Kyle and I are, I don't know if jaded is the right word. Jaded doesn't sound like the right word, but we've been through so much trauma through all this that like Mm -hmm. we don't want our guarded hearts to spill over to him. So we've been more focused on like, okay, how do we make this special for Brexton so that he doesn't, you know, see any of the worries that we have. Totally. That makes a lot of sense. Well, also, since we last talked to you, your book came out, Fighting Infertility. So that came out March, 2021, I believe, right? Yes. Um, tell me about that experience. Like you wrote a freaking book. I know. Um, well, you it's... helped me through it on times <laughs> that I was like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I was honored to be any tiny sliver part of it, but um, it got such great you know, press. And so, you know, you were really out there and I I really think you like blasted the, the, you know, shattered these ceilings of people being able to talk about this. So thank you for that from on behalf of like the entire infertility community. But tell me about the reception to the book and like, you know, I'm sure you heard from thousands of people, right? Yeah, it was, you know, it's been crazy. Just the response from people. I was I was great, right? Like writing the book and when I read it and I felt good. And then that night before it was going out to the public, I was like, oh no, (laughs) oh no, wait, I might want to change my mind. Like there's a lot of personal stuff in there. Wait, take it back, take it back. And I was like in panic because we didn't sugarcoat stuff. You know, there, there was a lot of stuff in there that, you know, I think especially nowadays with social media, you only put your best stuff out there. There was a lot of stuff that showed us, you know, fighting or having these big emotions or not handling things in a in the right way 
more or less. And that was scary at first, but it was great then as people started reading it to get their messages back of like, Hey, thanks. I thought, you know, my husband and I were the only ones that fought through this or, Hey, I appreciate you being, you know, open about this. I had these feelings too, and I didn't really know how to communicate them with my family. So I, I gave them this to read. So they, they understood. So just a lot of that. And then a lot of actually moms that reached out to me that said they didn't understand what their daughters were going through. Mm-hmm. And so after reading the book, they felt like they were able to support them better. And that was really the goal was just to make things like infertility and male factor and miscarriages openly talked about so that we can start to see the changes, you know, in insurance coverage or how people go about getting resources or advocating for themselves and and also that that family and community support. So I'm, you know, I was really happy with with what people said and I was like, okay, <laughs> we made the right decision by really sharing everything. Yeah, I think that's why it was so re- well received is that you've always been, you know, very not sugarcoating stuff. And I think that that's, that's really relatable to people. And, you know, even though you guys are in the public eye, you know, you're like, look, this sucks. And this part was hard. And this part we fought about. And, you know, to be able to show all that stuff, I think was really huge in terms of the relatability of it all. Um, yeah. So, all right, let's get back to just your, your daughter who's on her way. Tell me a little bit more about just the anxieties that, you know, you've been going through with this waiting game these final days, like what, what's going through your mind when you wake up in the morning and like, she's not here yet, but she's almost here. Yeah. I mean, it's just surreal to be honest with you. Like we've waited for this for so long that especially because my body isn't going through any changes, you know, I feel like it's real when we're seeing the ultrasound or things like that. But on a daily basis, you know, like when you're pregnant and you're caring, you have that daily reminder or you have all the kicks and the feels. And without that, sometimes, you know, to be honest, like I feel like there's like a a loss of connection, which after talking with some other women that have gone through this, like I know that that's really normal. And I I did want to speak out about it because there's so many misconceptions around gestational carriers and like how this all works. And I think just now going through it and even some of the responses of times that we've gone like gotten from a medical community, like so many triggers, I wasn't prepared for that. And it's, it's made it difficult to be honest. And, you know, my goal is to try to really openly talk about them. So then, you know, if other people are going through this, I guess I could give an example. It's the best Yeah, I was going to say, so, can you tell me a, a few or one or two? So we're at a birthing center now, which we're excited about because it's midwives and it's a lot more hands-on. And I think in um, some of the hospital settings, there's not a big differentiation for them between adoption and carriers. And I'm trying to tell them like, it is a huge difference, Mm -hmm. huge. Like that is 100% biological colonized child. That's my baby. Uh And you know, we had gone to the hospital to kind of meet with some doctors or, or different midwives to see like who we, you know, where we were going to go for, for our care. And, um, at one appointment, I remember this lady was speaking to our GC and she's like, so mom, how are you feeling? Like, and I was like, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm mom. I'm mom. Like, Mm -hmm. and so things like that, or we, you know, she had said, 
to our carrier. She's like, well, how much skin to skin time would you like until you pass the baby off? And I was like, that, that would be zero because Mm -hmm. again, that's my baby, like my child who's coming to me first. And like, just, I was kind of blown away by given like what year it is that, and given that it was in a medical setting that that wasn't understood. More understood. Yeah. What, why do you think there's such a disconnect still? I have no idea. I don't know if, you know, I, and I do understand because of the expense that goes into a GC, which that like the bundle of joy fund. And like I speak out about, about trying to lower the cost of infertility is also something I want to work on because it's, it's ridiculous that mm-hmm. it has to be that expensive, but I don't know if it's just something that it's not as common. Mm -hmm. So they just haven't had to deal with those situations. And so I tried to, you know, speak up about it to say like, no, no, no. Like we don't use the word, like certain words, like, and uh, every situation is different. I did talk to a surrogate where she was like, oh, well, the families that I worked with, like we were fine kind of, I don't want to say joking around, but she was like, you know, if, if somebody called me birth mom, like it was no big deal where I don't know if it's maybe just the trauma I've been through. And some of the other women I've spoke to, they were like, absolutely not. Like right. I'm mom. She's the gestational carrier. Like, yes. Well, you recently did a really great educational post about surrogacy and gestational carrier. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that before we wrap up? Sure. So I've been working with the REACH Clinic, which is, you know, the clinic that we went to with Brexton and who we do our Bundle Joy Fund granting through. And I've been working with our nursing team to really just help. And so surrogacy isn't actually even recommended for a same-sex couple. So that would be that the carrier shares a genetic tie to the child. And there is a lot of obviously big emotions that go into that, which differ from a gestational carrier where it is 100% my egg, Kyle's sperm, our embryo. And as our carrier likes to joke, she's like, I'm just the oven. Like I am not mom. She was <laughs> like, I like, I am not, you know, I I'm the oven. I am temporary housing for like the next nine months. Temporary like, housing. Not, <laughs> yeah. She was like, I am not in any way, birthing mom, anything like that. And she was like, I see how that's a trigger because she has children of her own. And she Mm -hmm. was like, you know, if I looked at it from the other way and somebody tried to use the term mom with my kids, she's like, no, no, those are my kids. So she's always been wonderful about the difference too and understanding, you know, like she's even spoken up in an appointment and been like, oh, you know, I'll defer to the baby's mom for that question, like things like that. And so, you know, we just try to educate that there's a lot of processes that that go in place with a carrier. That's why typically agencies are involved. There's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of, you know, we each had to go through like psychological testing as individuals, as couples. There's a lot of pre-screening on both sides that goes into it. So I think that's another misconception. I think people are just like, oh, well, you guys just like met and like you did this. And I'm like, no, there there was months of background work on both of our sides that developed mm-hmm. before we moved forward. Right. Well, I love what you guys are doing, you know, always pushing forward with the education and always trying to bust those myths and 
you know, like the common things that people think that are incorrect. So thanks again for doing all of that. Tell us a little bit more about Bundle of Joy and where you what you guys are doing lately and what you've done recently. I know you just announced some some grants, right? I don't know if you can say I that. Actually, I can cut that out if you need it. <laughs> no, you're fine. I actually had to move our talk right now to a little bit later because I was just doing a Bundle of Joy Fund grant. So it was awesome. Some, their whole family was together eating lunch and we just walked in and did a big surprise reveal. So we are so fun. Yeah, we're still doing grants all the time. Um, Last December, we hit our goal of granting a million dollars to couples. So that like when we started the fund, Kyle and I were like, let's make that our first goal. And so now everybody says, what's your next goal? And twofold, I would like to grant another million quicker than we Mm -hmm. did the first million. And then secondly, I want to try to figure out a way to open up and do at least a handful of grants nationwide. It seems a lot easier said than done just because of clinics and application processes and things like that. But, you know, we've been meeting with just some lawyers and different people that understand the space. And, you know, me, I'm like... I feel like Oprah, I just want to like hand out grants and be like, you get a baby and you get a baby and you get totally. a baby. But unfortunately, there's like a lot of other things in place before that. So we've just been kind of trying to dive into those waters and figure out how we could maybe bring that a little bit more nationwide so that you know people that aren't just here in Charlotte can get the financial aid that they need. Right. Exactly. Well, you guys are doing such important work. Bundle of Joy fund.org is the website. Oh my gosh, Samantha, your baby girl's going to be here soon. <laughs> I know literally like the next time I talk to you, I know I cannot crazy. wait to find out what her name's going to be too. I know, I know it's a everybody. secret. It's and it's secret. funny because there's a small amount of people that know, and our son obviously knows and getting him to not tell everybody has been the hardest thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's been the hardest part of this whole journey for you. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he like keeps. He's like, can I just tell this person? Can I tell this person? And we're like, no, you have literally like less than ten days. You can hold out. Oh my god, he's Brexton. He's going to be the best big brother ever. He already is. He's and so you and excited. Kyle are just the greatest parents too. So I can't wait to see oh. Kyle with his baby daughter too. I you're know. You're gonna die, I right? She has him wrapped around her little finger. That's what I hear always happens. Okay, guys, thank you so much for listening. And Samantha, oh my gosh, I can't wait to see you with this baby girl in your arms. Love you so much. And Kyle and Brexton too. So one of these days we are going to get together IRL, hopefully sooner than later, maybe even at some point this year, which would be amazing. But I want to thank you guys for listening. Definitely check out Bundle of Joy. Check out Samantha on Instagram at Samantha Bush. And also, if you guys don't know, Fertility Rally is the community that Blair Nelson and I have created. So if you're looking for support, we have three support groups a week. We have groups for you know, people who are going through infertility, people who are building their families through assisted reproductive technology. There's single parents by choice. We have same-sex couples. Everybody is welcome. We just want to have a space for you guys to come and to share and to vent and to cry and to have people answer your questions and support you. 
It's such a great community of badasses. So check us out at fertilityrally.com and on Instagram at fertilityrally. And as always, you can reach out to me at Stories on Instagram too. Slide into my DMs if you have any questions or if you need anything. I want you guys to know whatever you're going through, you're not alone. So thank you for listening and I will talk to you next time. Thank you.